This year is sponsored by Ilay Nishmas Hinda Rivka Bat Rav Avram. Okay, so we're up to Simin Lamed Beis, Seif Chof. Tzarech Ledaktik V'chaseris V'yaseris. We have mentioned that there's a halacha about uh, tefillin and mezuzahs, that the tefillin and mezuzahs have to be written in order, which means that, let's say someone's writing a mezuzah, so the first word of the mezuzah is Shema. So first he has to write the Shin, then the Mem, then the Ayin, and so on and so forth for the entire mezuzah. So let's say he would start the mezuzah, instead of writing the Shin of Shema, he would first write the Mem. And then he would go back and write the Shin, and then he would write the ayin, and then he would continue everything in order. The mezuzah would be puzzle because it's not written in order. So with that in mind, when writing a mezuzah, the cipher needs to ensure that everything is spelled correctly. There are no letters missing, and there are no extra letters. Why? Because an extra letter or a missing letter will invalidate the tefillin or mezuzah. Somebody who wears tefillin that has an extra letter or is missing a letter, such tefillin are not kosher, and one is making a bracha levatola every day. And he is missing the mitzvah of tefillin. So, Obviously, the cipher who created these tefillin and sold them to him is going to be severely punished. With this in mind, we have to recognize that a cipher has to be a tremendous So cipher need to have a tremendous amount of Yerushamayim. The cipher says that a cipher has to have even more Yerushamayim than a shaykhet, because a shaykhet is a one-time iser. A person, a shaykhet, uh, an animal, and it's not kosher, and he sells it to somebody. So the person's over one iser one time. Mashenkin, a person sells someone not kosher tefillin, a person is going his whole life without the mitzvah of tefillin, making brachas levatolis every day. So it's much worse. Chof Aleph. Kol parasha, achar sheyichtevena, every, because the tefillin have to be spelled correctly, and everything has to be written in order, so after writing the parasha, the cipher should read and reread the parasha two or three times. And he should read the parasha again before inserting it into its bias. In other words, each parasha has its bias in the shalresh, right? And the shalyad has four parashas going into one bias in the shalyad. So the cipher should read the Magia, the Seifer, the Batimachar, today it's all different people. In previous uh, generations, it was one person who did everything. Uh, but whoever it is putting the parasha into the Batim should read the parasha again before putting it into the Batim. This halacha is practiced even today by Erlacha people, that they read the parasha again before putting it into the bias to ensure that there are no mistakes. It's just like one final check to make sure everything is okay. Also to make sure that the correct parsha is going into the correct bias. Sometimes, unfortunately, one will open up a pair of tefillin to check them and they'll find the wrong parsha and the wrong bias. The person wasn't yoyed to the mitzvah in such a situation. So like we just said, should read the parsha before putting it into the bottom to ensure that each parsha is going 
where it is meant to go. When writing stam, so one uses a quill, and a quill sometimes if there's an you dip the quill into the ink and then you write. So sometimes if there's a lot of ink that the quill takes with it from the inkwell. So that will cause a mess on the cloth. If there's a little bit less, it'll come out more evenly. So a person has to test the quill before he actually starts writing to ensure that there's not too much ink in the quill, and that will ruin what he's trying to write. What this means is that Again, let's say he's writing a mezuzah. So you start off Shema Yisrael Hashem Elikeinu Hashem Echad, right? Okay, so he writes Shema and he writes the Yud of Yisrael. Okay, so after he writes the Yud of Yisrael, he realizes that, you know what? He made a mistake. Instead of writing Shema Shin Mem Ayin, he wrote Shin Mem Aleph. Oh, so mezuzah is possible. Okay, not such a big deal. What can he do? He can erase the Yud of Yisrael. He can erase the Aleph of Shema. And now he's back to the Shin and the Ayin. Very good. Now he could write an Ayin. I'm sorry, he's back to the Shin and the Mem. Now he can write an Ayin, write a Yud, and continue moving forward. So that's a way to save the Mezuzah. But let's say he wrote Shema Yisrael Hashem. And after he wrote the Shem Hashem, he realized that he spelled Shema with an Aleph instead of an Ayin. Now he's stuck. Why? Because he can't erase the Shem Hashem. So erasing backwards normally would be a way that somebody could salvage uh, his work and correct a mistake. But once he wrote a Shem Hashem, he can no longer correct his mistakes by erasing backwards because one is not allowed to erase a Shem Hashem. So because that's the case, V'chein Yizar Kodem Sheyichtev Kol Shem in the middle of Chavbez, right? V'chein Yizar Kodem Sheyichtev so when he gets up to Hashem Hashem, instead of writing the Shem Hashem, first review everything that you've written up to that point to ensure that there's no mistakes. If there is a mistake, correct it. And then you write the Shem Hashem. Because if he writes the Shem Hashem and only discovers the mistake afterwards, then he's going to have to be goiniz everything he had written up to that point. Let's say he wrote a mezuzah and all of a sudden he realizes that uh, the word Yoyre is missing above. Okay? So he realizes that there's a letter of the Hishtach Avisem is missing above. Right? Whatever the case may be, he suddenly realizes that the mezuzah is missing, or the tefillin in this case, is missing a letter. Right? It can't be corrected. Why? Let him just add in, add in the missing vav. Can't do that. Shem Kane, if he would add in the missing vav, then it would be written out of order. Upsulan, and it would be pasal. Mishum dechsiv, vahayu. It says, vahayu hadvarim ha'ela. Right? So vahayu hadvarim ha'ela, behavyosan yehu. Means it has to be as is. Which means that one cannot, chazal darshan from there, chazal understand from there, that it has to be written in order. But what if you have the reverse case? What if he added a letter, right? 
Um, uh, so by the word Yodecha, uh, he added in a uh, pay between the Dalid and the Chaf, right? He wrote Yod Dalid Pei Chaf. So there's an extra letter in middle of the Tefillin. So vim yiter ois aches yesh leitakana al yidei sheyigra oisa imhi b'soif tevay b'tchilasa. So if the extra letter is at the beginning of a word, let's say the hishtachavisem, he wrote two vavs at the beginning of the word. So then just erase the first vav, and you're good to go, right? Or if you wrote an extra letter at the end of a word, the hishtachavisem, he wrote two endemems at the end of the hishtachavisem. So just erase. The last end of them, and you're good to go. But if he added a letter in the middle of the word, then there's no way to fix it. Why? If he erases a letter in the middle of the word, so now the word's going to be split in half. Right? And he's going to be stuck. So that's going to be a problem. That's going to be absurd. The Mishnah Brewer points out that this is not always the case. Let's say the case that we gave earlier. Uh, so he wrote, instead of writing Yud Dalid and the Chaf, he wrote Yud Dalid, like we said, Pei and the Chaf. So there's an extra Pei. So in that case, the Mishnah Brewer says what he can do is, he can erase the Pei. I, now it's puzzle, because the Dalid and the Chaf are split apart. He can extend the Dalid all the way until the Vav. And in that way, he could kasher it. So depending on which letters are surrounding the empty space, sometimes one would be able to salvage uh, the mezuzah and not have to put it into Geniza. Because some letters can be stretched, some cannot be stretched. So it depends. Every case has to be evaluated on its own. But often it's possible in such a case to save the stam. Chavdalet. Mutter lichtoiv al hagrar. Let's say somebody made an erasure. One of them is when, if I'm not mistaken, grar is when, uh, the, is, is when it's already dry. Okay. The ink has dried and he erases it. That's called hagrar. And a machak is when the ink is still wet, right? It's when the ink is still wet. Also, you can remove the ink with a tissue or a sponge or whatever it is, right? So let's say somebody made an erasure, whether the erasure was a wet erasure or a dry erasure, one is allowed to write in that spot. Afilu azkara, even a shem Hashem. There's no iser to write a word, even if it's a shem Hashem, in an area on, on the spot which had previously been erased. But don't write the new word while the parchment is still wet. Rather, you should wait until the parchment dries. So you can erase wet ink, just wait until the area dries, and then write what you want to write. Ki oz, yigare bekal, shum roisham. Right? There won't be any, there won't be any uh, stain left on the cloth, and it'll erase cleanly, and one will be able to, uh, write in a more neat fashion, by doing it that way. Although this does need a little bit of eon exactly how to read this properly. I'm not sure what that means. I guess it means that you're going to take off, yeah, Pashas, it means as follows. You're going to take off the ink while it's still wet. 
right? But then, like we said before, you'll take a tissue and you make sure that the that the surface is dry, and then ki azigar bekal, because then you're going to be able to take off the ink easily and it won't leave a stain. Pashtas, that's what it means. Lavdafka. It also depends. Correct. That was the second thing that I said. Okay. Chafei. Kol If you have a letter which is written in properly, For example, So this is like the example that we discussed yesterday, um, where the leg of the aleph, right? We said that the aleph has a bar in the middle, which is called the gag, and then there's a yud on the top of the aleph, and there's a yud on the bottom of the aleph. So again, this is the same case that we spoke about yesterday where the instead of having a yud, which is comprised of a head and a leg, it's just one blob. So if such a if the aleph is created in such a case, like, right? So the first case is the bottom yud of the aleph, the second case is the top yud of the aleph, but the point is the same, that it's just a blob, it's not recognizable as a reish and a yerech. Oi, shahaya regal hahei, oi regal hakuf noigim. Or, like we said yesterday, the hay and the kuf are meant to be detached from the head, and in fact they were attached. Noigim, noigim, they were touching. Or you have a letter which is split in two. So this is an important thing to be aware. When a letter is split, sometimes a letter can be split into two letters, and sometimes a letter is split in a manner that it's not split into two letters. For instance, let's say you have an aleph. And the top yud is detached from the rest of the yud. So it's not split into two letters. The top yud is recognizable as a yud, but the rest of the aleph is just a nameless uh, mass of ink, right? But it's not another letter. As opposed to a tzaddik, for instance. A tzaddik, when it's split, so you have a yud on the top, and you have a nun as the other half. So it's split into two letters. So you have a mem which is split. So you can have a base or a chaf on one side and a vav on the other side. It's split into two letters. So there's different ways that letters can be split. Letters can be split into two letters, or letters can be split not into two letters. So if you have a letter which is split into two letters, when it's split, sometimes can take on the appearance of an ayin and a yud. Or if you have a ches, which is split into two letters, which two letters into two zayans, and one has already written further, right? So he wrote, let's say, So the ches is split into two, but he already wrote, after the ches, the vav yud sof and mem, right? So if he goes back and corrects the problem, it's going to be puzzle. Why? Because the mezuzah is written out of order. He had, let's say the tzaddik was split, so he didn't have a tzaddik there. He had a yud and a nun, and now when he finished the mezuzah, he went and he fixed it. So that's puzzle because that tzaddik was not there. 
there were two other random letters, a Yud and a Nun, but there was no Tzaddik. So when he's going to fix it and create a Tzaddik, the mezuzah, the tefillin, is essentially written out of order. But, on the other hand, rather than attaching detached parts, if he did the opposite, he detached attached letters. So again, this is the halacha that we saw previously. He wrote ahead. He wrote ahead. After he wrote ahead, he goes back and he separates letters which were touching. Shaper dummy, that's going to be mutter. The kevan sheha tsirasa aleha, because since the two letters are distinguishable from each other, kishema freedom and chaberta loyhave kekosef. So when he separates them from each other, that's not considered like he's writing fresh writing now. And memela, it's going to be mutter even shaloi kisidron. So you finish a mezuzah and you go back, and in the word ukshartem. you find the tough and the mem touching each other of Ukshartam. So you're allowed to separate those two letters and it's not going to be a problem of Shaloi Kisidran. So what that means is that the same thing would apply with the Yud on the Aleph and the Shin and the Ayin and the Regal of the Tuf, that if they're not touching the letters, so and it's not split into two now, okay, and the Tinoik recognizes it as a letter, so on the one hand you have a letter which is unkosher, because there's a halacha that every letter needs to be goylam echad. We'll see in Simon Lamed Vav, there's a halacha that every letter needs to be goylam echad, needs to be one unit, it can't be broken. So on the one hand, it's not kosher because it's broken. On the other hand, it's recognizable as the letter that you need. So I have the letter I need, it's just not kosher. So I can repair it by connecting the two detached parts. A tzaddik is different. Because a tzaddik is split into two letters, that's much more chamer. But in a case like an aleph, where it's not split into two letters... So over there, if a tinek is makirit, then it's going to be okay. Case of a tzaddik, if you look in the Bir Halacha, he's very marich about the case of a tzaddik. No, makirit before you misakin it, avada. If he's not makirit before you misakin it, then it's not kosher at all. V'yesh mi sh'aymer duhu adin imchutre d'ches l'mala e'n noigin zelazeh, ach e'n nikel ahedye predosan, afal pi sh'atinek kerish nezaynen mutter l'hadbikam, the Chiddush over here is that I would think that a ches would be like a tzadi and it's split into two and therefore you would not be able to fix it because it's like two letters. The Chiddush over here is that the Tinaik doesn't recognize a ches anyway. A Tinaik always will call a ches two zayins even if it's kosher, right? Because the tzura of a ches in Ksavashuris is that it's two zayins with a bit of a V uh, upside down V on top, what's called Chatei Teres. So Tinoikas do not recognize the Ches. So Ches is a more complicated discussion. Chavav. Correct, because Shin could go either way. Shin can sometimes be viewed as two letters like a Tzadik, and Shin can sometimes be viewed as an Aleph where it's not two letters. So it's going to depend on how the Shin is broken 
it can a shin is a hybrid letter. Chavav im oizi shel shem dvukos yachal afridam. One would think that if I have a negia and a shem Hashem, I'm not allowed to erase the letters. I'm not allowed to erase the negia. Why? Because perhaps it would be mechikas Hashem. Right? We said yesterday, erasing Hashem Hashem is an Isidai Raisa. Someone gets Malchus if they erase Hashem Hashem. So if I have a Negia in Hashem Hashem, I have a Yudke Vavke, and the He is touching the Vav, so I would think I'm stuck. Nothing you could do. You can't be Mafred the Negia, because if you're Mafred the Negia, it's Mechikas Hashem. Says the Mechaber, no, you may be Mafred the Negia, and it's not a problem of Mechikas Hashem. Now, oh, forgot we have another 10 minutes. Okay, um, that's great. So I'll take this opportunity to mention that the Mishnah Brura uh, says that he, the Mishnah Brura holds that this is dependent on when the Nagia happened. A Nagia can happen while writing the Shem Hashem or the Nagia can happen after the Shem Hashem is already written. The Mishnah Brura is Michalik that if the Nagia happened while the Shem Hashem was being written, then it's going to be mutter to make this erasure because one is essentially correcting the shame, right? It's not kosher and he's making a kosher. So it's mutter to make this mechika and it's not called mechika zashem. However, the Mishnah, the Bir Alacha brings a svek sveka and he wants to, he has a tremendous chumrah that if the negia happened after the shame Hashem was already written, so over there, since there are shitas that hold that it's kosher as is, so it's not clear that you're correcting anything, and it would be usher to make this mechika um, to correct it, which essentially gives you a very big problem because it's going to stay in its puzzle state forever. So the good news is that the Kesesa Seifer, which which was authored by the Rishlaim uh, Gansfried, the Kitzvah Shulchan which is like the most chash of a Seifer in Hilchestam, he argues, and he says that one would be permitted to make this erasure in all instances, whether the Nagia happened Bishas Ksiva or La'achar Ksiva, like the Pashtas of the Mechaber, like there's no Nafkemina, and that's Taka how we Paskin today, if someone finds a Nagia in Hashem Hashem, we don't try and find out if it happened Bishas Ksiva or La'achar Ksiva, in all cases, we are Matir to be Mafred the Nagia. Chabzayin, Oisius V'teves Shenimchaku Ktsas. If you have letters or words, that have become partially erased. What does that mean? That means that as Sifri Torah get older, um, so either the letters can fade or letters can pop off the cloth, and there's only a little bit of the letter that's remaining. That's how the Mikdash Ma'at understands this halacha. If there's enough of the letter remaining, that it's still recognizable to a child, one can refresh the letter with fresh ink, to refreshen it, and that will not be a problem of shleikasidron. So practically speaking, like we said, what this means is somebody's checking a pair of tefillin, which was written a hundred years ago, right? And part of the letter has popped off. So as long as enough of the letter remains that it's recognizable to a child, so then one would be allowed to fix up the letter and there would not be a problem of Shalaikasidran, because Shalaikasidran is only when you create a letter which is not here. But if the letter is still here, then it's going to be uh, fixable. Now if it faded to the extent that it's not black anymore at all, so then that's not going to be kosher. So that's a discussion in the Mishnah Brura. 
Machlaikas, the Prima Gadam and the Chassam Seifer, how much it has to fade in order to be uh, unacceptable. But at a certain point, if it's faded out so badly, uh, then it's as though it's as though halachically the letters are not there, and one would have to put the tefillin into Geniza. Chavches, yesh lizar shalayikonis roish halamid ba'avir ha'hei ay haches afilu b'loy negia. What this means is as follows: We discussed previously the idea of these two concepts. There's a concept of hakafas gvil, and there's a, and there's a concept of shinetsura. The concept of shinetsura means that every letter has to be recognizable as the letter that I need. Okay, if it's not recognizable as the letter that I need, then it's not going to be kosher. Second concept is hakafas gvil, that what we discussed, that every letter has to be surrounded by klaf. It cannot be touching another letter. It cannot have a hole adjacent to it, right? I have to have parchment surrounding the letter. So now, aches, right, is like aches, right? Aches has a top and two sides coming down. So let's say I have a lamid underneath it, and the lamid is going up into the ches. So the lamid is trespassing. Right? It's invading the airspace of the ches. Okay? So that can potentially be a problem of shinitsura. It could change the tsura of the ches because it's not recognizable as a ches anymore because it has a lamid coming up into it. Or potentially one could say that the ches has to be surrounded by klaf and if the lamid is invading its territory, that's considered that it's not mukav gvil. So this is a discussion in the Rishainim how, why exactly this is a problem. But whatever the reason is, the fact is that one needs to be careful. Even if it's not touching anything, but just the very idea of invading another letter's airspace is potentially problematic. And there are other variations and iterations of how this can apply. It can be going up into an aleph, it could be coming down into a test. There are many different examples of how this can be. And some issues are more serious than others. For instance, let's say a lamed is going up into a dalet. Okay, if I have a dalet on the top line and a lamed coming up into it, the lamed essentially now turned the dalet into a hay or a kuf. There's a tshuva in the marit where Balkari was reading in the middle of Kriya Satayra and he called uh, a resh a kuf. Why? Because there was a lamed going up into the airspace of the resh and it looked like, and it looked like a kuf, right? So that would also that would be a psalt. There's a lot of different variations of how letters going into other letters can potentially cause uh, problems. What? That's not a problem. No, I mean, it's not advisable, it's not good, we don't like it, we don't recommend it, but it would not uh, be a psalt. Chavtes. If somebody does not know the parashias of tefillin balpeh, when writing the tefillin, he has to write from a text. He has to copy from a text. Obviously, the reason is to ensure that he's not going to make a mistake. If a person is illiterate and he doesn't know how to read, he's not allowed to be a cipher. Cipher has to be able to read, and uh, only then would he, is he permitted to write. But somebody may not write if he doesn't know how to read. Right, so we said a second ago that a person has to be writing from a text. So a person will say, you know what, I have a great idea. I don't have a text, but I have a friend. And my friend, he knows it by heart. I don't know it by heart, he knows it by heart. And I don't have a text, but I have him. So I'll have him 
tell me what I need to write, and then I'll write without the text. So the Mechaber says, you can only do that if you repeat what he says, right? So you're writing the word Vayadaber. So your friend says, Vayadaber. So you say, Vayadaber, right? And he says, Vav Yudal Bezrej. You say, Vav Yudal Bezrej. So you can do it, but you have to repeat what he says. Lamed Bez. Obviously, again, all of these halachas, um, Chavches, Chavtes, Lamed, Lamed, Aleph, are all uh, obviously geared toward the idea that we're trying not to have any spelling mistakes. Because, like we said before, if you have a spelling mistake, then you do not have kosher tefillin. Lamed Bez. Tzarech Laniach Gaga So, aside for the area of the text, there have to be margins. Okay? So, how much of a margin does one need on the top? So one needs enough of a margin in order to be able to write the Lamed. As we all know, a Lamed rises above the other letters. So on the top line, if you're not going to have a margin above the letters to fit in the Lamed, then you're going to have a major problem. So you have to leave a margin. Kedei gaga shel Lamed. Haga sheyu gam mukafim gvil. We know that there's halacha, that the letters have to be surrounded by parchment. So you have to have enough room above the letters to fit in the top of the Lamed and a little bit of parchment so that it's Mukav Gvil. If the Lamed goes up to the top of the parchment, that's going to be a problem. The same way we discussed earlier, the idea that a Chaf Sofit, an end of Chaf, if it comes down to the bottom of the cloth, is also going to be a problem. Ulamata, and that's what he says right now. Kishir Chaf Nun Pshuta, you have to have enough uh, room on the bottom line and in the beginning of the first column and the end of the last column, one does not need to leave any extra space, blank parchment. The Ramah says the minute of the Sofrim is to leave a little bit of extra blank space between the first, before the first and after the last column. And between every word, there should be a space of a yud, one letter. And every line, when you write, between every line, that there should be an equal space of blank, a blank, a blank line, similar size, right? The blank line, empty line in between every line should be similar to the height of every um, written line. And this way you have plenty of room to put the heads of a lamed and the, the regal of uh, like a kaf sofit or a kof. Uvein kol ot kimelo chut hasara kimel v'seifratara. And like in the seifratara, between every letter in a word, there should be a space of a a hair space. Gam tzarich laniach me'at chalak bein pasuk pasuk. And between every pasuk, there should be a little bit extra space than just a yud. So it looks like a difference of a pasuk. Um, all these things are only lechatchila, not leikuva. And many poskim, and the minag is actually not to make any extra space between uh, psukim.